Amen. One thing I realized over the years is we always have to remain teachable. You know, sometimes we reach a certain age and we think we know everything. And uh, we have to remain teachable. You know, sometimes we go to church on Sunday mornings and, and one of those young guys is, is talking. And I have to tell myself, now Randy, remain teachable. There, there are things that you can learn here. And you know what? I usually learn something. I usually find something. We have to be teachable. We'll, we'll never know it all, ever. Scripture says this in Romans 11:33. It says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. That's a great passage of Scripture. The Amplified Bible says it, says it this way, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unfathomable inscrutable, unsearchable are his judgments, his decisions. How untraceable, mysterious, undiscoverable are his ways, his methods, his paths. That's pretty descriptive of God. The Message Bible says it very succinctly. It says, have you ever come on anything quite like this extravagant generosity of God, this deep, deep wisdom? It's way over our heads, and we'll never figure it out. I mean, the reality is God really does know it all, and we have to remain teachable. The minute we think... We know it all. We become proud. And we become proud. The scripture says that God resists the proud. And he gives grace to the humble. So we must be teachable. We must be humble, recognizing our complete reliance upon him. And he'll see to it that we know what we need to know. I love the scripture when Jesus was preaching in, 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 Mark, in Matthew chapter 5. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That, I've, I've read that translated before where it, said, where it literally says, Blessed are those that are completely and utterly dependent upon God. For theirs is the kingdom of God. We need to come to that place where we're utterly dependent upon Him. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, it says, If any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. Compared to God, we don't really know anything. We can know his ways, just not all of them at once. We can know as we go along. I'm, I'm surprised sometimes at how often God will use somebody that I didn't even think might be able to show me something, show me something about him. I, I'm amazed at who he will use. So here's the direction I'm going to go in tonight out of John 16:13. Jesus said, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. So we know this about the Spirit. He guides us into all truth. He makes sure that we know all that we need to know. I heard the story of a little boy in school. The teacher says to him, she says, Billy, give me a sentence starting with I. Billy said, I is. And the teacher said, no, no, Billy. It's always I am. And Billy said, all right, I am the ninth letter of the alphabet. <laughs> Those of you that are teachers would probably appreciate that more than the others. We're never going to know it all, no matter how much we think we know. All right? And so what we have to learn to do as believers, even as we get more mature, is we must learn to consistently hear his voice. Learn to consistently hear what he has to say. Remain teachable as he speaks to us and then obey what he says and then we'll wind up in the right place at the right time. Jesus said in John 10, 27, and you know this verse, My sheep 
hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. We are his sheep, so we can hear his voice. Now, not everybody can hear his voice. The scripture tells us in, in John 14, 15, <coughs> excuse me, if you love me, <coughs> keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, listen to this, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. <coughs> the world can't know his voice. They don't, they're not able to receive him. The world thinks it's crazy when you or I say that we've heard from God. I remember people as a pastor would come to me and they would say, do you really think you can hear from God? It makes me nervous to think that the preacher would say that they can hear from God. And my thought is, it makes me nervous if the preacher can't hear from God. We need to be people who hear God. We must have ears to hear. Ears to hear. Jesus said that over and over. If you have ears to hear. So let me talk about that for a few minutes tonight. <clears throat> John 16, 13. I read this just a moment ago. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever, whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. Now the verse just said that the Holy Spirit will guide and he will speak. The Holy Spirit speaks. In Psalm 23, the Bible says the Lord is our shepherd and he leads us. He guides us. He's, he is our guide. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Now, this, the, the picture in John chapter 14 is when Jesus is talking about, I'm the shepherd, you're the sheep. He talks about the sheepfold. He talks about the shepherd taking the sheep to the sheepfold. And that it wasn't just his sheep. All the shepherds brought sheep to the sheepfold. And they'd bring them into the sheepfold, and, then, and they'd leave them overnight. The shepherd would come the next day, and he would call his own sheep by name. The shepherd would stand outside the gate, and he would start calling them. He would, you know, Molly, and Molly would come out. Fluffy and Fluffy would come out. And whatever the names of the other sheep were, and the shepherd would call them by name, and only his sheep would come out because they recognized his voice. And so what Jesus is referring to is as the shepherd, those that have been listening to him and following him, when he calls our name, we recognize the call and we follow him. So he said, my sheep know my voice. The only way that we can know his voice is to spend time listening to his voice. He's our shepherd and we know him. He knows our name. He leads us by his voice. He calls us and we go. Jesus' voice is the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Lord leads us by speaking to us. Now, that's kind of interesting. Let me read just several verses of scripture from different places. Acts chapter 8 verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip. Now that's interesting. The Spirit said to Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Acts 10, verse 19. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore, get thee down, go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Acts chapter 9, verse 10. And there was a certain disciple, this isn't even an apostle, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, 
Arise, go to the street, which is called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. Acts chapter 13, verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work wherein to have called them. And then in Acts chapter 9, verse 3. And as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, talking about Saul, and suddenly there shined round him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now, I hope all these were from the book of Acts. And what we want to want to show us is that after the death, the burial, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, the spirit of the Lord, the Lord and Jesus continued to speak to the church, continued to speak. He spoke to them intelligently, clearly and specifically. It wasn't some vague and mysterious thing. God spoke clearly to people, told them exactly what to do. What to do. Now, here's the question. How did he speak to them? Well, he spoke to them. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. He speaks from spirit to spirit. The spirit spoke into their spirits and he spoke specifically to them. Let me read the verse again. John 16, 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, will come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Since the Spirit leads us into truth, once we understand what he's saying, the only thing standing between me and the miracle is obeying what he said. I think it's time for the church to learn how to hear what the Spirit of God says. How do we hear him? When Mary told the servants at the wedding feast of Cana, she said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. That was the beginning of the miracles of Jesus, but that's a key to the miraculous anyway, is whatever he says, do it. Here's the reality. Jesus is still speaking. He still talks. He still communicates. Here's the problem. Most Christians think that the Lord leads us by circumstances. Instead of being led by the Lord, we allow the circumstances tell us what to do. Someone fails in business, and then they conclude, well, I guess the Lord didn't want me in that business. Well, that may be true, but they might could have heard that way before they got in the business. Or they have a series of failures and accidents, and someone might say, well, I think the Lord is trying to get your attention. Many people think that's the way that God leads us is through circumstances. Many key people get frustrated because we have negative circumstances and say something like, okay, well, you've got my attention now. As if it's God that is leading us through those things. So let me go on to say this. This is in Romans chapter 8, verse 5, and then to 5 and 6 and 14. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. We can either be led by the flesh, which would include the circumstances, or we can be led by the Spirit. I believe there's a better way of being led than being led by the flesh. 
The result of being led by the flesh is death. Now, the word death literally means separation. Separation from the plan of God. Separation from the best that God has for us. The result of being led by the Spirit is life. The word life, in, in all of its things you can look at, literally means connection. Connection to God and His plan. As children of God, we're to be led by the Spirit. Think about these verses. This is Psalm 32, verse 8 and 9. The psalmist said, I will instruct thee, or the Lord is saying, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Now look what he's saying. He said, the Lord says, I want to guide you with my eye. I want to watch over you and be your guide. In other words, he's helping us along the way. The Amplified says, I, the Lord, will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Or the message says, let me give you some good advice. I'm looking you in the eye, giving it to you straight. Don't be ornery like the horse or the mule that needs a bit or bridle to stay on track. Now think about this. How do we lead a horse? Or a mule. By the way, some horses are way smarter than others. I mean, Trigger obviously was the smartest horse ever. And Trigger could think for himself, but not all horses are like that. He was probably the only horse that got to be born again, I think, and I'm not sure. <laughs> but how do you lead a horse or a mule? Well, you put the bit in their mouth so they'll come and go as you say. They'll do what you say. Sometimes, though, horses have to be led with a whip. Or a stick. I don't know if you've ever been on many horses or not. When I was younger, we rode horses a lot. And my grandfather at one time was the lake policeman out at Buffalo Springs Lake. And they have a horse corral out there. And you could ride horses. I was just a young guy in those days. And those horses were nags. They didn't do anything but walk until you were coming back to the barn. You could take them out on the, on the trail ride. And they, were, they hated to go. But when you turned around and come back, they knew they were coming back and they picked up their step to come back because it would be food or water. Well, after all the customers would leave at the end of the day, we sometimes would get one of those nags and we'd put on spurs. And I'm going to tell you something. When a horse feels the spur in its flank, it gets lively and it wants to move. You move it, it changed everything. The circumstance changed the way the horse responded. The same is true with the mule. I don't know if you've been around many mules or not. They are stubborn creatures. And sometimes mule masters have to use a stick to prod the mule. It doesn't do anything. It just sits still. But once it's prodded, once the circumstance change, changes, now the mule will go. All right. So we need to think about that. We're not to be like a horse. We're not to be like the mule. We're not to be led by circumstances. God isn't leading us with bits or whips or sticks or spurs. He, he, he doesn't have to, have, have to give me an accident or a failure. That's not the way he wants to lead me. The scripture talks about how that every good and perfect gift comes from above. God is giving good gifts. Now understand, we're going to miss it and we're going to make mistakes and circumstances may get bad in our lives. It doesn't mean God has given up on us. It just means we might could have done it a better way. Because God, God wants to lead us. By his spirit. He leads by his spirit, by his voice. Here's what the scripture says in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11. It says, And he said, God said to Elijah, 
Go forth and stand upon the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, a still, small voice. The wind was destructive. It tore the mountains apart. The Lord was not in the tornado. He wasn't in the tornado. It wasn't an act of God. The tornado came. I hate it in an insurance policy when it says we cover everything but acts of God. I tell cross that out. Let's talk about acts of nature. See, we may think the circumstance of a great strong wind is somehow the destruction of the Lord, but the wind wasn't the Lord. Someone may tell you that God sent the tornado to teach you something, but God leads by His Spirit. That's what He does. He's able to teach us intelligently and not by the whip of wind. Then there was the earthquake. You know, every time there's an earthquake someplace in the world, preachers come out and talk about God in the earthquake. That God sent that earthquake to punish them or to do that. Listen, the Scripture says the earth is groaning. It's getting older and older. The time for, the, for the, the, the least that God has given to mankind in the earth is coming to an end. The earth is groaning. And so there are more earthquakes. And it's, it's an indication of the end of time that's at hand. God wasn't in the earthquake. I mean, we think maybe he's in the fire since it's a consuming fire. He didn't send the fire to communicate with Elijah. He didn't speak through the, the, the circumstances. God was in the still, small voice. God speaks to us. He doesn't have to send bad things to lead us. He speaks to us and he leads us by his spirit. The voice of God to the New Testament believer is, is not from across the way or from a few inches away. It's inside of us because the spirit of God dwells on the inside of us. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit back in the mid-70s, early 70s, I remember we tried to put fleeces before the Lord all the time. We decided we would be like Gideon and we would try a fleece. And it would be like this. Now, God, if you want me to give $20 tonight, have the preacher take three steps to the right. And he'd take three steps to the right and I would say, I meant his right. It's not my right. And we would do stuff like that all the time, expecting God to lead us by the circumstances. In the Old Covenant, Gideon got away with that. Today, we have the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of us. We don't have to have a circumstance guide us or tell us what to do. The circumstance isn't, isn't the boss of my life. The Holy Spirit speaks. He speaks intelligently. He speaks accurately. He speaks specifically. We need to learn how to hear the voice of God. God is the most intelligent being in the universe. We are made in His image. We have the capacity for that type of intelligence. I mean, He leads us intelligently, not through silly things. I don't have to say, God, if Pastor Jackie calls me tonight, then that means that I should give the million dollars. God would tell me that. We need to know how to follow His leading. So now, hearing God is not about the circumstances. It's really about my heart. Let me read you this, verse, this passage of Scripture from Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, 
I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, lifted high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. And the, and the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, make their ears heavy, shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Now, that, that's, that passage used to always baffle me. First of all, just imagine the scene. His train filled the temple. It has to do with his glory. His glory filled the temple. I mean, the seraphs in his presence with the six wings. It's almost, it's almost out of a science fiction book. I mean, the seraphs are flying. Isaiah realized, this is an interesting part of this passage. Isaiah realized that he was a man of unclean lips. That actually goes with what I taught last week. He didn't say he was a man of unclean actions. He didn't say he was a man of an unclean heart or of an unclean mind. He said he was a man of unclean lips. The seraph flew to him with the coal and touched his lips. Why did he touch his heart? He touched his lips. It's because the lips were touched and that his iniquity was taken away. His sin was purged when the, when the cold touched his lips. That's an interesting thought. Right, let me give you the answer. The transaction of God with you is always completed with your words of agreement, which is what we talked about last week. The scripture tells us, For with the heart man believeth in righteousness, with the mouth confession is made to salvation. It's not complete until you say it, until we agree with him. That's not my sermon tonight. Then the Lord asked, who can we send? Now that's an interesting thing too. Here he is in heaven, all those angels and one man. And the Lord said, who can we send? Do you realize there are some things that angels just can't do? It takes a man. It took God becoming a man to save us from our sins. It took, the, the angel came to Cornelius. Cornelius was praying. And he wanted to know the real God. You remember the story in Acts chapter 10? And, and, and the angel comes in and, and he, says, he says, here's what you need to do. You need to go and find this guy named Peter in Joppa. He's at this house on Straight Street or whatever the street was called. And, and, get, and, and he will come and he'll tell you what you need to know. Why didn't the angel just tell him? Because men are called to preach the gospel. Men are called to tell the good news. It took the lips of a man to preach that to him. Again, it's not my sermon. But, but the Lord said, who will we send? Who can we send? The man, 
had to have lips that agreed with God, who's going to speak God's word from a heart of belief. So God talked to, said, all right, who can we send? And Isaiah said, the only thing you can say, here am I, send me. He was the only man that could go. So the Lord sent him with a message. Now, this is an interesting thought. The Lord sent him with a message about hearing but not understanding, about seeing and not perceiving. Let me read verses 9 and 10 again of that passage. And the Lord said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and be converted, and, and, and convert, and be healed. Now, I've thought for a long time, that's not very fair. Because the Lord's saying, you're going to go and preach to them. They're not going to listen. They're not going to understand, and all that. But when you, when you read those passages, we need to look at what the New Testament says, because those verses are repeated in the New Testament that explain it better. See, there's more about hearing than the audible voice. More about hearing what God has to say than with our physical ears. It's about hearing and understanding with our heart, which, according to that verse, brings healing. The problem is not getting God to speak. The problem is having ears that will hear what he has to say. God is speaking. We should be hearing the voice of the Lord, just as the Bible records those people hearing the voice of the Lord, and we need to hear him accurately and exactly, just like they did. The scripture says in Ephesians 5.17, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It tells us it's unwise to not know what the will of the Lord is. Wisdom shows us his will. The only way we can know his will is to hear what he's saying to us. We're supposed to know the will of God. We're supposed to be able to hear his voice. The scripture says, the contemporary English version of that verse says, don't be stupid. Instead, find out what the Lord wants you to do. <laughs> what does he want you to do? We can learn to hear the voice of the Lord in our hearts and we'll be able to follow his will exactly. We can have this, this, this precision guidance of the Holy Spirit so we can know what we're supposed to do. You understand when I, when I'm preaching stuff like this, I'm preaching to me more than anybody else in this room. When you fly in an airplane... It's not enough to get close to where you want to land. You've got to get right where you want to land. I mean, if you don't, if you don't have that, that guidance system in the plane and it's cloudy outside, there's no, you may hit a building, you might hit a mountain. You need that. You need a guidance system. We need the voice of the Lord. We need to get our heart in the place where we hear His voice accurately so we land in the right place at the right time. Most Christians that I know are satisfied to just get close to what God might possibly have said. I believe we need to learn how to hear what His voice is. We must have ears that will hear. I want you to think about this. Here's what Paul said. He's, I'm going to re-quote re, re what, what Isaiah said from Paul in Acts chapter 28, verse 25. Paul said, well, say it, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. Now listen to this next phrase. And their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Notice the closing of the eyes is a matter of choice. It said their eyes they have closed. The result of not 
of not wanting to see is that they can't understand in their heart. We hear God in our heart. Let me read what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, verse 14. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand. By seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. I love the next verse. He says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Once again, the closing of the eyes is a matter of choice. We need to make a decision that we're going to find the way to hear God. We're not God. He alone is God. But we have the opportunity to make a choice to hear what he has to say by making sure our heart is right for him. In Revelation chapter 2, verses 7, 11, 17, and 29, chapter 3, verses 6, 13, and 22, Jesus said, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. The phrase, let him hear, means to choose. Make a choice. We need to make a choice to hear what God says. Two things that Jesus said. We hear with our hearts, and it is the Holy Spirit that does the speaking. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to us clearly, directly, and specifically. Hearing what the Spirit is saying is really more up to us because He's already talking. The truth is, when I was a boy, we had the TV in the room, and we had the rabbit ears on the TV. And when we didn't, couldn't get the program we wanted clearly, we, my sister and I, were the, were the people who had to go and move the rabbit ears so we could get on the frequency. You know, turn the aluminum foil a little bit and all those things that we had to do so that we could get on the right frequency. It wasn't the TV station that was having the problem. It was our receiver that had the problem. Tammy and I haven't had cable TV or anything in a long time, so we, we do have an antenna right now. And sometimes, depending on the weather, we have to get up and move it a little bit to get in on the right frequency of whatever the channel that's on TV. We have other devices we can watch, but we have antenna TV. But we have to understand, receiving is the issue. It's not the speaking. God is speaking by His Spirit. He is telling us things. We have somehow got to get on the frequency to hear what he's saying. We hear with our heart. We hear in our spirit. The Spirit of God is speaking to us. He's teaching us. He's telling us what we need to know. We've got to get on the right frequency. We have to choose to see. We have to choose to look. John said this in 1 John 2.27. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but the same... Uh, no, I'm sorry, let me back up to First John 2.20. But we have an, an unction from the Holy One, and we know all things. That's an interesting passage. We have an unction. The word unction means anointing. We have an unction from the Holy One, and we know all things. Doesn't mean we know the square root of 13. Doesn't mean we know... Those kinds of things. We know everything 
that God wants to tell us we must remain teachable. We have access to everything that God wants us to know by virtue of the unction from the Holy One that abides inside of us. It's, 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 it's available to us right now. We can hear God tonight. Now, verse 27, But the anointing which you have received of Him abideth in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is the truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him. Listen, God can use human beings to teach us all kinds of things. I mean, we know that in the body of Christ there are, there are teachers. We know that we get to hear the pastors. We get, there, there are teachers and preachers. But the reality is the revelation comes by the Holy Spirit. It amazes me sometimes that I'll, be, I'll, I'll have taught something and somebody will come to me and they go, Well, that was wonderful when you said da-da-da. And I'm thinking, I never said da-da-da. But the Holy Spirit showed it to them right then. Because he's the one that brings the revelation to us. The anointing inside of you teaches you the truth. Remember, Jesus said the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. Everything I need to know is already in me when the Holy Spirit speaks it to me. He lives in me. When I, when I, when I need to know, all I have to do is tap into what he knows and he will show me the thing to do. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. Jesus said... In, in, in Matthew eleven fifteen, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. We need to be people who hear the Lord. The scripture says this in Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. It's a matter of heart. Hearing him is a matter of heart. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Direction in life that comes from God depends on our willingness to open our heart to him. We open our hearts and we can hear him. It's not sitting and crying and begging him to speak. It's getting in a place where it's all quiet within so we can hear him regardless of the external circumstances. Believing that he's going to speak. We must hear and understand with our hearts. Let me go back to John 14, 16. Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. The phrase another comforter literally means someone just like me. The Father is going to give you someone just like me. In the same way that Jesus communicated with his disciples, the Holy Spirit communicates with us. They heard with physical ears, but not everybody heard with their spiritual ears because Jesus told them about having ears to hear. Eight times in the gospel, he spoke with a physical voice, but not everybody heard what he had to say. We can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 3. I know I'm giving lots of scripture here. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if we will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the propagation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. See, hearing the voice of the Lord has to do with the condition of our heart. He said, he, he said today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. It has to do with my heart. If we harden our hearts, we can't hear. The way to soften the heart begins with what we do with God's Word, beginning with the written Word. The Word will soften our heart and train us to hear. Not giving our hearts, being disobedient, lying to ourselves, and all those types of things it, it, it are matters of the heart. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we focus with God? How do we get to God with our hearts? Let me read you these verses of Scripture from Romans chapter 8. What time do we have? 
Romans chapter 8, verse 4. For they, we read this a few minutes ago, for they that are, that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. What does that mean to mind the things of the Spirit? Mind the things of the flesh. He tells us pretty much in the next verse, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it cannot, it is not, it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Being led by the Spirit is simply a matter of directing the mind's focus on the things of the Spirit. To become spiritually minded is to become spiritually focused in my mind. Being led by the Spirit is not so much a matter of the spectacular, but it's an everyday walk with God, being mindful of spiritual matters and receiving the Spirit's unction. We're to be led by the Spirit every day. We can either mind the things of the Spirit or mind the things of the flesh. The word minded could literally mean focused. Spiritually focused or carnally focused. Fleshly focused. The mind is simultaneously connected to the spirit and the flesh. I mean, at the same time, the mind is it, it chooses which we're going to follow. We need to focus on the spirit realm rather than the physical realm. We have to understand the physical realm, but the, I'm talking about the carnal realm. We're not led by the intellect but it's our choice to follow the Spirit. Oftentimes the intellect will tell you the thing that seems right. But the Scripture says there's a way that seems right, but the end of that is death. We need to find out it's not our intellect, it's the choice to focus on the Spirit. To be fleshly focused is death. That separates us from what God, the perfect plan that God has for us. To be spiritually focused is life and peace. And there's a key to how we know if we're following God. The life and the peace. Where our focus, our mind, is where I'm going to live. And if I'm going to believe that God leads by circumstances, will separate me from the leading of His Spirit. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 says this, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God, set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. Set your affection means to exercise the mind. We're to think about things that are above. We understand that to focus outward is to disregard the fact that the greater one lives inside of us. We need to recognize the Holy Spirit wants to guide us. He wants to speak specifically to us. And we can't please God if we're carnally focused. We must be spiritually focused. We are His. We have His Spirit inside of us. And we can notice that, that as we follow him, there's a connection to life and peace. Because spiritually minded brings life and peace. We've got to recognize that. He leads us by bringing us life and peace. John chapter 1 verse 4, Jesus said, or it says of Jesus, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The world's darkness can't stop the light of his life if we plug into his spirit. His life brings light of his revelation. John 8:12 says, Then Jesus spake again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. 
we need to recognize tonight that He leads us by His Spirit. There's always life and there's always peace. Life and peace. But we have to become spiritually minded. Hearing Him in our spirit, man. Making our spirit be more, be more mindful of the things of the Spirit. Many times our problem is, is when we want to be led by the Lord, we're focused on the problem. We're focused on the trouble instead of being focused on the answer, which is Him. Giving our heart directly to Him, totally to Him, and letting Him lead us by His Spirit. I believe we can hear His voice. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, tonight we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that Your Word is true, that we can understand, we can know exactly what to do. You will guide us in Your way. You will show us what to do. Lord, all we've got to do is give our hearts and our lives to You. We thank you for it tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.